no chance. Episode 87 of the No Chance Radio Show. As always, your hosts, Ryan and Nate. And Mel. Oh man, it's good to talk to you guys. It's good to talk to you guys, the listeners as well, on this very fine Friday morning, at least for you guys. We're recording this on our typical Wednesday. It's like when the family gets together. It's like, um, you know that time of the day where it's like, everyone gets home and everyone is all doing their own shit. And it's like, mom comes around, they're like, hey, it's time for dinner. Let's fucking get together. We're not talk. We're no phones, no nothing. I feel like this is our time. Yeah, you for sure grew up in the suburbs. What? Like, <laughs> you guys act like you didn't have that time. You yeah, maybe when I was time? little. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not okay. talking about now. Right. I don't even go home anymore. <laughs> uh, thank you guys for joining us for this week's episode, episode 87. We're damn near almost at 100. Man, I feel like we've been doing this for fucking years. Every episode just seems like it... Um, Man, it feels like the first one every time. Do you ever, you ever get that feeling every time you record? Just feels like it's the first time we've ever recorded in our lives. Like we haven't been doing this for like at least two years of our life. Yeah, I know for sure. For you, you for me, it's like, weird as yeah, fuck. because you have to do the intro. So yeah. every like you're stressed out about that. I'm just no, chilling. I'm telling you. It, it, for episode eighty-eight, we're gonna have either Nate or Melanie do the intro. I did it once, and right when you get right when you get out of the name part. You're like, what All the right. fuck? <laughs> what the fuck now? Um, but yeah, I'd say like for the most part, man, a hundred, almost a hundred episodes is still pretty baffling to me. Pretty baffling to us, man. Just, just the fact that streetwear in itself, there's been so much to talk about. We've covered almost like decades of streetwear in yeah, terms of true. where it started with. Like, do you remember the, the first couple of episodes and what we talked about? Um. Yes and no. I can't even remember what we talked about last week. How are you going to ask me to you're right. remember whatever what we <laughs> talked about like two years ago? Well, you're the you're always the one that was like, yeah, remember in that one episode where we That's talked true. about? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're more of the historian for these episodes That's than I am. Very true. Um, but yeah, I feel like from from sort of where we first started in terms of like themes and topics, it was all very like it wasn't very like newsworthy. You know what I mean? It's all. It was very much conceptual in in terms of how Streetwear was working. Very. I think that was the idea of why we started the podcast was sort of to introduce the listeners to like how the world of Streetwear so, somewhat runs. But now it's like once you guys are in this shit, it's like damn near covering Streetwear like it's on CNN or some shit. Like yeah. it's newsworthy topics, yeah. and it's like maybe as we've seen over the past two years, Streetwear has just become a lot more mainstream. And I think that's one of the reasons why everything seems like such headlines nowadays is because of how like widely available or widely digestible streetwear is to like the general public now, which is why we have so much to talk about. So many random bullshit topics to talk about. Um, but before we get into that for today's episode, we always have to say a few announcements. I think uh, today is Friday. So if you are based out of the Bay Area, please come out to our event. It's a little happy hour thing. What, what would you call it? It's a little two-hour event, a little teaser to kind of what we normally do on our typical monthly parties. This one's a big one because it's at one of our favorite venues, at least from going out a lot. I'd say it's one of my favorite venues. Yeah. Yeah, right? Um, Minute Gallery in downtown Financial District of San Francisco. If you are local, please come out to that. And then also our monthly party, the payout every fourth Friday of the month at the same spot, Bar Fluxes. This random bumfuck alley, <laughs> you know what I like mean? Like literally, it's yeah. random as shit. But man, it, it's a lot of fun. Um, if you're ever in the area and you're ever in town, come say hi. We don't bite. Um, at least I don't, I don't. We don't have faces that look like we're, we're kind of off putting. You know what I mean? Like you know how when you meet your, you never want to meet like that famous person, your idol. You're just always like kind of intimidated when you see them. It's kind of intimidating when you meet your when when you meet your idols, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would say so. Have um, you ever met? Have you ever had a bad experience with like a famous person? Uh, no, I don't think so. Usually, I'm just I'm I'm pretty low key. Like, I don't like being up in their face and like, yo, what's up? <laughs> like, uh, like Virgil came into our store one time, but I was just like, very. Were you there? Uh, I stepped out for my lunch break. That's how it always I, goes. Yeah, I was there. 
was in the elevator with him. He was trying to go down, but went up to like the restrooms. And I'm like, oh, I'll press down for you. And I'm like, by the way, I'm a big fan. You said, what's up to Virgil? Yeah, it was super awkward. He was just on his phone and he's hella tall. And it's just me in the elevator with him. And I'm just like, what do I say? How do I start something? Did he respond to you? He was like, oh, thank you. Like he was really soft spoken, but it was cool. He doesn't do like this for every word, just air quotes. No. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) No, but he seemed really confused when he got out the elevator. And I'm like, this is a bathroom, but I'll press one for you. Do you think it's sometimes weird for like famous people? Like, do you think as a famous person, as a famous person, we kind of touched on it in the last episode, like the whole like responsibility as a famous person. Do you think like fame is like a weird thing? For sure. Yeah. Like to a famous person? Well, actually, I mean, obviously, as a famous person, that's kind of like their title. But you think fame in general is kind of like a a, a tough thing to deal with? Yeah, I think so. Like what aspects of it are just kind of like off putting? You know what I mean? Like all money aside, like the money is the best part. But like the fame aspect, what do you think is like the worst part of it? Just like lack of privacy, I feel like. Yeah. Like think about it. You can't do like normal shit. Like I can't go to like the I can't go to Dollar Tree. If 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 paparazzi saw you shopping at Dollar Tree, they'd be concerned. Yeah, <laughs> they would be very concerned. Nathan Lumenlon hits all time low. <laughs> Caught outside Dollar Tree. Exactly, exactly. And you, and there's no you can't explain yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I, I think with any and in, in, in this episode, we want to talk about not necessarily famous people, but we want to talk about creatives. You bring up Virgil, and he's a very good example of of a creative. I feel like that's the big you know, highbrow uh, word that he tends to use all the time instead of describing what he does, you know, what's the, the, the next wave of people he's brought on are the next new creatives. He, he, he loves using that word. So in this episode, we want to talk about what the fuck is a creative, you know? And our, our favorite dude, uh, Gary, Gary Vaynerchuk, yep. uses the same term to describe like entrepreneurship, right? It's another hot sort of label that people put onto themselves as necess- I mean, essentially making money outside of like a regular nine to five job. I feel like that's what like an entrepreneur is, yeah. how people describe that yeah. in in, uh, in today's world. But when people tend to use the word creative, what is your, how would you define a creative individually? How would you define what a creative is? Um, for me... I think it's someone it's 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 a definitely a very broad term and everybody's definition I think is going to be a little bit different but for me I think it's someone who uh has some sort of creative passion whether you know it's designing clothes whether it's designing uh whether it's like photography whether it's styling DJing whatever uh I think that's one aspect of it having that passion part but also I think at least in today's terms, being a creative means almost like you said, like being an entrepreneur and creating a business out of what your creative passion is. So for me, that's when I hear the word creative, that's that's kind of the definition that comes to mind. Okay. Yeah. Mel, what do you think a creative is? I agree with some points that Nate said. Um, I also think a creative is someone who thinks more outside the box. Um, they don't limit themselves to what I guess like an outline of or job description is they kind of create a job for them themselves. Um, It's someone who pursues a passion in like art, media, music, any type of industry that's not, I guess, like not your typical nine to five type of job. And they kind of make themselves out of that and they they give something back to their community. Hmm. Give something back to their community. I want to touch on that piece a little bit later, but I think that's a very interesting look into that aspect of creatives because not a lot of creatives do. (laughs) (laughs) So let's definitely touch on that one. But the the biggest thing that I think in, in, in regards to the word creative is that it's very ambiguous. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. It's, um, it's tossed around a lot. And I feel like it's a very watered down term at this point, the same way that being an entrepreneur is. Uh, but I, I guess the larger question here is like, is there like a, like a, a step-by-step 
booklet of what it means to become a creative or to be defined as a creative? Do you have to, and we can, we're going to have this conversation right now, do you have to be formally trained in being a creative? Do you have to go to school for what we all are, are saying that you have to be somewhat artsy or be involved in that in that world? Um, do you have to go to school for it or can you learn it on your own and become a creative? Um, I, I don't necessarily think that you have to go to school to be a creative. Same thing with like being an entrepreneur. Like I think, um, especially now you can learn a lot of skills on your own, a lot of valuable skills uh, that you can take with you. But as far as like, is there a definition of what a creative is? I don't think so. I, I think to me, like the defining sort of piece of, as to what a creative is, is that you actually put in the work to, you know, reach some sort of end goal. You know, I think, you know, a lot of people do a lot of half-ass shit and throw the label creative on, you know, like you see it all the time. Like you see it on Instagram, like people have creative in their bio and then, you know, like, you know, to some people like that's, that's cool. But to me, I think my definition is you're, you're, your 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 idea like you you know like you're executing on ideas that you had and you're putting the time putting the effort putting the thought into the things that you do um and i think it it i think intention matters too that's a good one i think if you're doing it out of love for like i said some sort of creative passion like that's that to me that says that you're more of a creative than maybe someone who's just doing it just because I think we're all creatives. I think all of us here are creatives. I think we all have different pieces that, you know, uh, attract us more than others, obviously. Like I hate writing, you know, but there's a creative stylistic way to write. I mean, that's something that you do a lot, Melanie, with like, with blogging, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't have the, what, what is it called? The attention span to write creatively because I can, I'm more of a talker. If they had the whole like uh, talk to text thing, I'd be writing novels by now. You know what I mean? But how would you def- define yourself as a creative? Each of you, like what what makes each of you an individual creative? Uh, honestly, like sometimes I'm I hesitate to even call myself that just because I don't know. As of late, I've been just kind of. I don't know, very like up in the air, Yeah, you know, like there've been definitely been periods in my life where I could have said like, yeah, like, you know, I, like I do photography. So that's my foray into the world of being a creative. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know, it's just, for me, I'm in like a very transitional phase, not like that, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yo, shout out if you are, we don't hate, (laughs) we don't hate, uh, (laughs) What? Go ahead. Keep talking about your transitional <laughs> phase, man. No, but I think I'm just at a phase. I'm just at a point in, you know, my creative journey, if you will, uh, in trying to figure out, like, what it is that I want to pursue next. I, you know, like, because I think we live in this world, like we, like I mentioned before we even started recording, of people don't want to be tied down to one specific label. You know, they're... You see it everywhere, like Virgil, he's a DJ, he's a designer, mm-hmm. he's an artist, he's this, he's that, you know? Um, and I think that comes out of me as a person, like I talked about this before, I just get tired, I just get bored, like, easily. So it's always like, I'm on to the next shit, like, yeah. you know? Um, so I don't know, it's, it's kind of hard for me to label myself in that regard, just because I... I don't even know like what the fuck's going on. Yeah. And yeah. we're going to get to you, to you, Melly, real quick, but you mentioned that the sort of like Virgil taking on, you know, different, uh, different aspects of being a creative. So I think there's like a difference between being multifaceted as like a person versus just multitasking Yeah, as a dude who likes to do stuff. You know what I mean? Because there are people that are good at everything making them multifaceted. But there are people that have to do everything, making them multitaskers. And sometimes the multitaskers, they're maybe just good at one thing, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they are those other things as well. You know, like I know a lot of people, and this is always a a conversation, and, you know, when you're a photographer, your camera 
that shit shoots video too. So you have the option of doing both, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're a videographer also. You know, there's there are people that uh, excel in both and professionally do both. There are people that do one or the other, but that's kind of one of those things where it's like, Everyone knows how to do everything nowadays. The, the information is easily accessible. You can do everything. It's not impossible. But when we define ourselves as creatives, do we say, and I used to do this on my resumes all the time. I used to just lie the shit out of what, I, what programs I used to use. You still do. I, uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, would, I would lie on my resumes and I'd say like, I do one little thing on Photoshop and I say I'm advanced in Photoshop. I do one little thing in InDesign or Illustrator. I say I'm advanced in that. You know what I mean? But And there's a lot of people that do that today. Yeah. You, t- you take one aspect of something that you do and you expand on it and and you master it. Or, or, well, it's, I want to say mastering, but... Become you get, proficient you, at you it. You get proficient. Yeah. You become good. You can teach other people. When you Once you become... Once you get to that point, then I'd say like as a creative, that is you. You know what I mean? Like, and it's not to put anybody in a box, but I think that term creative can, it, it can, it can muddy certain people's uh, multifacetedness or, or people who just know how to manage a bunch of shit. You know what I mean? So at least for myself, that's kind of how I feel, but let's get back to you, Melly. How do you, def- or sorry, not how do you, how do you define uh, what a creative is, but how would you define yourself as a creative in what you do? I think I still don't label myself as a creative, but I've considered it like within these past couple of years, you know, definitely I've always had a lot of ideas of things I wanted to pursue in the past. Like in middle school, even I had no idea really what streetwear was, but I'm like, I want to open up my own brand one day. Like that was just always my thinking, the entrepreneurial side of it. So I do feel like in the creative realm, I am more business-based just because I studied marketing, I worked retail, I kind of like the management part of just life. Like even with the podcast, like managing and organizing things, that's kind of what I know how to do best. Um, Recently, just because of how we're going with the podcast and what we talk about, that's kind of what sparked me to make a website. You know, I wanted a place where I can share more of my thoughts on just streetwear and life more in depth i'm definitely better typing than talking so i felt like you know let me have a website just for like my archive you know just for a personal thing and if i want if people want to read it they can and um just talking to you guys always it's always helped kind of broaden my perspective on things you know now i'm like i'm a little less timid when it comes to creating or doing things you know like I've dabbled with music I've messed around kind of with design and now we're doing the podcast so you know there's only up from here basically like I'm not a creative creator but I have the thoughts and I can kind of execute it in a managerial way so there's like this what I'm what I'm seeing is like this sort of consistency between the both you and which brings on the next point is is it intimidating to take on that title of being a creative do you think like there's a responsibility to uphold that because you both kind of say like i wouldn't consider myself a creative with, with a bit of hesitancy do you think there's a certain responsibility behind that word to like consistently call yourself a creative do you think you always have to be creating do you think you always have to think creatively like what is the what is the hesitancy that's stopping you from being like hell yeah i'm a creative you know what I mean? Yeah, I think for me at least, my hesitation in calling myself a creative comes from, you know, as bad as it sounds, like comparing like myself to others mm-hmm. because I know like we, I'm sure we all do it. We always like compare our work to other people's work. Of course, all the time. All the time. Even we compare our work to our own work, you know, oh, our past work. Even works. more so. Yeah. Um, so I think under that, in you know, looking at it through that lens, that brings about some hesitation because, you know, like in comparison to, I don't know, whatever, you know, like someone who does it like nine to five, like that's their living. Like they have a lot more at stake and like they really do that shit. You know what I'm saying? Whereas me, like, I think there's two different, you can, you know, like by all means 
go ahead and call yourself a creator, but I think there's two different, you know, two different paths. I think there's someone who does it on a professional level. Mm -hmm. And I think there's someone who does it because they enjoy it because, you know, they have like some sort of side project, you know? Um, and I think I fall into that latter category so that, you know, that kind of brings about that sense of hesitation. What about you, Melanie? Yeah, I definitely agree with what Nate said, you know, being a, I guess, quote unquote, creative is a secondary role for me. It's not what I do every day, but you know, like I would love to do it every day, but again, like that professionalism and the experience isn't there for me to feel like I'm worthy enough of that title, of that sole title. I feel that. And I, and I know a lot of people have that same sort of mindset, you know, like when, when we first started the podcast, like I didn't know how to use any of these programs. I didn't know what I was doing with with the audio from that me and Nate were recording it. I didn't, shit, the first time we, um, maybe the first time we actually recorded was when I had used a DSLR for the first time. And now it's just at this point where it's like, I wouldn't call myself a photographer. I wouldn't call myself a videographer, but I know I'd do that shit. You know what I mean? And one of the things that I think that I always sort of experienced, especially early on in sort of looking, as, as Nate said, in sort of, you know, my peripherals are on other people's work and on what other people are doing, whether they do take it as a nine to five or are professionals at it is like, I was comparing the shit out of my work. You know, for a long time, I felt like I needed to stay off Instagram because all I would see is other people's work, whether it's, you know, video work or, you know, graph design, whatever. And con- constantly comparing like, oh damn, like I should have done it like that or, and the next thing you know, like my next work looks exactly like that person's work, which is what I always try to avoid when it comes to like ever doing anything. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think it's a mindset, you know, like the like Nate said it fairly well when you're saying like there's people that do it professionally, and then there's people that take it as a would you say like a second hobby or like yeah like a hobby or something that they, they do it passively yeah yeah. I think I think there there are people that yeah they may do it professionally but I think there are also people that th- think with a professional mindset. So yeah. at least for myself like knowing going into this now as an actual business it's no longer my job to like I would say like do the greatest work or like be better than anybody else but I think I have to take it to a sense of seriousness to make sure that we are as good or better than if we do have competitors, shout out to them. But to be in that echelon of good shit, you know what I mean? Like, I'm in no way, shape, or form the world's greatest graph designer. I know a lot of good graph designers that have just simply taught themselves it is their nine to five, it is their everyday job. But I I don't think I shy away from this sort of title as graph designer just because they do it to a whole nother level of like greatness or whatever you want to call it. I just do it, you know, because in in any sense of the word of what a graph designer is, you just want to create shit and you have your own way of creating shit. Uh, eventually, like when you get to that point of making great shit then other people are going to see you as like that's the professional guy that's the dude that's been doing it but i think in in any in any case it only comes from consistently moving you know constantly doing it and i know a lot of people that are listening like whatever you're doing you just have to keep doing it um that's always been the biggest thing for me because i've started up a lot of different things like i've always wanted to start my own brand i've always wanted to do um, certain things, but I think from what I've seen from me and Nate, at least from constantly doing something that we were super uncomfortable with or super unsure about, or always in comparison with other podcasts or other duos or whatever, is that from that it's become its own thing. Mm -hmm. So we use that as a way to provide a foundation for what it is that we want to be like, right? We look to the people that are above us to be like, Damn, I want to be them, but I want to be standing next to them or if not above them. So when we are moving, we are doing 
We use them as references. The same way that if you're if you if you want to ace a test to move on to the next grade, you cheat off the guy next to you. You could do that too. <laughs> you could plagiarize. But we all know the people that plagiarize never get too far. You know what I mean? They always they, they always plateau somewhere in yeah. life. Uh-huh. That's I mean, there's there's a couple <laughs> people that have made their way, you know, to the top and shout out to them. Donald Trump. I was about to say <laughs> that too. But that's okay. But uh, I mean, if you want to if you want to live with yourself at the end of the day, True. Um, in order to get onto the next grade, into, in order to get into the next level, you have to study. You have to, you have to read that book. You have to look to that person that's already there and be like, okay, that's my inspiration. I got to take that, manipulate it in my own way, and basically make it happen in my own personal way. Now, if we try to be like somebody else all, all the way to the top, then we're we're never gonna get above that person that we want to be like. You know what yeah. I mean? So I guess in sort of picking up things like videography and, and taking photos, which Nate knows, like I, the first, first photos that we ever took, like trash, you know what I mean? Complete trash. I didn't know the difference between an exposure and, and I still don't know the difference <laughs> between exposure and the other shit, but I know how to turn the knobs and I know how to make good shit, you know, as a result. So I think as a creative, it is something that I think a lot of us go through in, sort of a, a establishing ourselves as what we are in this umbrella of the term. You know what I mean? It's a very like, it's an intimidating space because there are people like Nate said that do it professionally. They do it seriously. They take it seriously and they make lots more money than us. They hang out with way cooler people than us, but that only comes from actually doing, you know? Yeah. And, um, that's always the biggest thing that, that I've been trying to do. Like, I hate everything that I do, not in terms of life, but in terms of <laughs> designing, in terms of, you know, podcast episodes, in terms of, um, you know, videos and all that stuff. But there are people, maybe it's that one person, which typically it is that one person that's just like, yo, that's tight. Like, keep doing that. And th- sometimes that's enough to, to get you to the next project or to get you to the next video, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as a creative, we have to, we have to stretch that muscle. You know what I mean? Like it, it does take a lot of trial and error. Uh, it takes a lot of trial and error to get to that point of being like, I'm a creative, you know what I mean? Like yeah. we can't continue to shy away from it because it's like, we're not defined by the word. You know what I mean? Like creative doesn't mean that I have to make stuff every day. I do, but <laughs> that's, it's part of the, it's part of the gig. But for you guys, you know, what do you think, like for anybody that's listening as a creative, what sort of advice would you be able to, or could you give them in sort of dealing with that sort of hesitancy or whatever gotten you over the hurdle to want to create more or to like, say like when you, for, for you, Melanie, when you went from music and sort of, I wouldn't say stopped it, but just kind of like put it to the side to pick up blogging. What was the mentality when you were sort of switching gears to something else? Maybe something that you didn't formally do before, but eventually picked up in in knowing how to learn. What was the sort of like thinking or mindset when you transferred from doing something like music to like actual blogging? I think for me, um, I'm just in this period of time where I'm still trying to figure out who I am, finding myself, you know. Um, I still, I'm still figuring out, like, what I really enjoy doing. Like, I do have a passion for music. I'm just not sure in what aspect, you know, like, is it DJing? Is it producing? I don't know. I haven't really tackled that just because I, I am still afraid, to be honest. You know, like, I don't know what my potential is, but I thought, you know, like, let me pause on music just because my my time and effort isn't there, but I do like to write. You know, in college, I didn't mind writing papers, and it's easier to talk about myself on a piece of paper than in person to someone. So I thought, like, hey, like, why don't I try and blog just because it's easier to promote through Instagram. It's easier to talk about myself. Maybe I can make something of this, and... Yeah, like, it was really nerve-wracking at first. You know, I'm always changing up my layout of my website. But I think just just doing it for yourself and knowing that at the end, 
it's how you want it to be and you're happy with that output that's all that matters and for me also like when I hear someone say oh hey like I still listen to your mixes till this day that makes me happy you know I'm not a professional in any sort I'm not a DJ so don't ever think I am but it's nice to know that people do enjoy what I do and at the end like I want to make things that people enjoy out of me and it, it, it reflects who I am as a person so I hope my stuff does show that so what causes either of you to pick up something new? Like, what does it take to be like, I want to try that, and I'm actually going to follow through and trying that? Like, what, is it, what does it take for a person to, to sort of try something new, essentially? Uh, I think it, it just takes a lot of self-awareness, I think, in terms of the creative process. Yeah. You know, like, we pick up and we put down a lot of different things. Like, for instance, you know, from my own personal example... You know, like, I was super heavy into photography around, like, 2011, 2012, 2013, going to maybe, like, like, a span of, like, four years. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I just, I stopped just because, you know, I, I wasn't really enjoying it as much as I was when I first started doing it. And I think in that sense, you kind of have to take a step back and realize that if I'm not enjoying it anymore than kind of what's the point, you yeah. know? And mm-hmm. to me, that's that's kind of like, you know, turning the chapter. Um, and I think, you know, like sometimes we can't, we like we have obligations because like, you know, in a professional, like what you're talking about in a professional sense, sometimes, you know, you don't enjoy the shit that you do, but you have to do it out yeah. of a sense of, you know, professionalism and upholding that. Um, so I think, you know, it, it takes a lot. Of, this is definitely like one of those kind of like softer, like conversations, not very yeah. like concrete, but I think it takes a lot of like searching and asking yourself questions and, you know, like trying new things, you know, not everything is going to stick, but I think that, you know, if you actually try and put some effort into something and it doesn't work out great on to the next, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'd say like for myself, like, I wouldn't say like it's obviously I'm I'm just like a tad bit older. But I don't think it makes a difference because I act younger than both of you anyway. But I have figured it out. You know what I mean? Like I do know what it is that drives myself in knowing myself, knowing what I like to do, you know? So and having the opportunity to do it, I always knew that I wanted to one tour the world. Like, and make money, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I always wanted to do it with my friends. Like, doing it by myself didn't make any sense. So finding something that I could do one of t- those two things, I'd be happy. And so if this podcast, if these events, if, you know, the things that we're ramping up to start doing now gives me op- the opportunity to be around my friends even more, then I'm going to keep doing that whatever it takes to make sure that that's a thing you know what i mean like mm-hmm. being around my friends is the probably the biggest driver of me creatively so i think it does come down to like what are you doing it for you know like obviously like i can design something every day but it's just like if there's no purpose behind it if i mean of course like it's not fun all the time and i and i get that across a lot of things, you know, like whether it's our events or, you know, staying up for however long to finish this stupid little thing that only five people are going to see. Like, is it fun? Not all the time, but the end result and where I know it's going to go is going to drive it to like the purpose of, yo, eventually you're going to get paid to be around your friends all the time. And that's kind of where it is. You know what I mean? That's kind of where the very minuscule of where we've been able to get to of just like all we do on Fridays and Saturdays is hang out and we get paid and we get to be around each other. And I think that's one of the things that propels the creativity of just like, okay, what can make me more this next time? Or what do I have to do business-wise to make sure that within a year, year and a half from now, we're in fucking New York all together, all paid for, all doing what we love to do. You know what I mean? What can I do to make that happen? And I think that's kind of what gets the wheels turning. Um, but it's not like, it, it's, it's, it takes a while to sort of get to that understanding of like, what, what do you like? 
you know, yeah. like I, I used to ask this all the time, especially when I was in college for people who were trying to figure out their majors. I was like, okay, other than social media, what's the first website you go to every day? Google. Okay. <laughs> what do you Google? Yeah, what, what? Not Google. There's nothing on Google except for except when you type in a term. Google is. Never mind. Well, I guess Melanie's working at Google. Man. Shit. No, but okay. Other than Google, or even even Google, if you want to search a term in there, what's the first thing? If you have no other obligations, what is it that you look up? What is it that you go research on? What is it that you read on? What's the first thing that you go to? I go to like a clothing website, like first thing. Well, that that that's good. <laughs> what do you go to? Um, I guess hype beast. And I mean, like that is some like somewhat our indicator of where we want to be. You know what I mean? Like somehow involved in whatever our first web search is. Are we talking like incognito mode or like regular? Okay, browser? now you're talking <laughs> some weird shit. <laughs> But I mean, like, what wherever you land in the first, like, any opportunity to go to the first place that you go to, I feel like that's where you, where anybody is, th- that's where they want to be. You know what I mean? Or somewhat involved yeah. with what that is, you know? Because it's like, it's like our, it's intuitive. It's intuitive to, to, to want to go to, you know, it's like, it's like our ticks. You know what I mean? When you wake up and you go on your phone and the first thing you check is like whatever social media. Yeah. It's just like a normal habit. Yeah. And I think that when it comes to like trying to figure out who you are and what you like, sometimes it's already there. You just kind of like Nate said, you just have to be self-aware of when that actually comes to light. Because I found myself doing that a lot. Like, and I wouldn't, I'm not going to lie. Like there's a lot of things that I was doing that same time period for four or something years that I just completely just like gave up on or just like I'm over that. Um, and it happens, but I think sort of digging deeper to find like what that overall purpose is, it's takes a while, Yeah. you know, it takes, it takes a long time. So, so once you find that then, right. As a creative, once you find out what you want to be creative in, what for, for, for you guys, at least what's next, you know, like w- once that comes around, once you know, then what? I think for me, it's, you know, like I, a lot of people like to do the learning up front. Like once they figure out what they want to do, they just like bury themselves in books, you know, tutorials online, whatever. Um, For me, I, I'm, I'm like a very hands-on learner. So I like just, I learn by doing. So like when I pick something up for the first time, I just try to do it like straight out of the gate. And then that's sort of how I learn. And then when I fuck up, I'm like, all right. Let's go to Google, like see yeah. where I fucked yeah. up at, yeah. and then just keep doing like rinse and repeat. So for me, that's that's kind of that's how my process is. I'm very like, just like do it, fuck up, continue, like try to learn more, like as you go. I think that I think that's good. What about you, Mel? That's literally how I do it too. Yeah. When it came to making mixes, I opened up GarageBand and I'm like, all right, these are some songs I want to make into a mix. Let me do it. And I didn't know what button to press or whatever, and I kind of just figured it out. If I didn't know what to do, I would Google, like, how to make a transition, whatever. And what I was did that it. thing that caused you to open that up for the first time? Honestly, talking to you guys. like Really? Yeah, for me. I don't even remember you making that. I think the biggest thing for me was just having that push, you know, having someone else say, hey, like, oh, yeah, you have a yeah. really good taste in music. Why don't you make a mix? I don't remember It happened in that. the marketing <laughs> office somewhere. <laughs> it was really random. But, yeah, like... You guys really helped me just kind of drive me to do it. And I'm like, all right, like people want me to make music. Let me try and do this. And I made a mix. And for some reason, it got a whole bunch of listens on SoundCloud. A lot of positive feedback. Yeah. And that's what I want to talk about next. And something that deters and derails a lot of people in their sort of quest for the creative holy grail. You know what I mean? They're the creative infinity. The creative infinity, infinity gauntlet. <laughs> Snaps my fingers. <laughs> but... How do we feel about feedback? Personal feedback, um, feedback from our our colleagues, feedback from our parents. Um, those are sometimes the biggest deterrents. I mean, Nate, you just got some feedback from one of your bosses about work. Yeah, I think, um, you know, like, to be honest, I 
don't take feedback very well. Uh, it's something that I, it's a, a skill that I definitely need to work on in that I, sometimes I'm not able to detach my work from my person, like, like myself, you yeah. know, like personal. So I said, I guess in that sense, it kind of gets in the way. And, you know, like you said, I had a conversation with, um, you know, with, uh, like a higher up at my job and, you know, like, I, I think it's also about delivery too, mm. you know, it's, you know, a feed, giving feedback is a two way street. It, you'd have to know how to take it and you also know how to give feedback too. Um, but I think, you know, in a sense, nobody should take it personally. It's not an attack on your character yeah. at the end of the day. That's fair, yeah. Yeah. It, sometimes it seems personal because we attach ourselves to our work and like that, of like, course. You can point. You almost point to that and you say, "That's me. Like that's an extension yeah. of me." And then yeah. like, I worked on this. Yeah. Shit. Like, and then if like somebody doesn't fuck with it, then you're like, "Well, then that means you don't fuck with me." Yeah. You know. Right. Like, I think it's hard to dissociate those two, but I think it's, you know, in being a creative and just being a professional in general, I think that's something that you have to do. So, what about you? Do you take feedback well? I embrace feedback, but also. I am my own worst critic, so when when I get negative feedback or like things to work on, I'm really hard on myself for that because it's like I knew better. I should have done it like this way from the start, you know. So that's one thing I have to work on. But also, like we get so attached to our work and we're so deep into it, we don't realize like we're missing like a like a big thing that people aren't getting. You know, how do we convey our message to other people? So you need that feedback to understand like where people are coming from if they read an article and say like, okay, I don't know what your message was or I don't get the topic, you need to fix it, you know? So I, like I do enjoy getting feedback and it's also a good conversation to understand like how people read you and how they understand you as a person and like how you can understand your audience better. I like feedback. I like I like get, getting feedback, I like providing feedback, but I like getting it more, I think um, for myself at least. And I actually seek it. I would I would differ it from validation because I'm not looking for like I'm like it's almost like uh like prepping it is like oh I know he's gonna say it's cool so let me just send it to him and like see what he thinks <laughs> but I, I kind of want people to be like no like you should do this instead or you should because there because there's something about fresh eyes that I think is always really good to have when it comes to anything that you do creatively um whether it's you know, like somebody who knows less than you or just as much or even more. Like, for example, when it comes to, I don't know, like a, a clothing design, you know, like I'm going to show it to somebody that may know, know nothing about streetwear or the logistics b between like this graphic is supposed to be four inches from the chest and like this is supposed to be perfect. I want them to look at it and be like, no, I don't like that. Like that graphic, I, I could kind of see that being, you know, more in the, in the middle of the chair mm -hmm. or something like that, you know? Yeah. Sometimes a fresh perspective on things is, is really good. And just feedback in general, I think it, it kind of, it kind of not brings you down to earth, but it kind of keeps you grounded, you know? Yeah. Like we're our worst critics at times, but we also know how to gas ourselves up inappropriately, yeah. you know? <laughs> Excessively sometimes, you know? And it, it, it's good to, to get the feedback from people that whether it's sometimes your your best friends that aren't afraid to tell you like, bro, that's shit. You know what I mean? And which I sometimes I take to be very good. Like I like I like that more than, you know, somebody who says like, that's, you know, that's really cool. Like all the time. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there's like a, a differing of uh of, of opinions on how people feel about that. But I like when people tell me like they could be better or, or that looks like shit, which <laughs> is pretty consistent, which, but, but it's good. Cause then it teaches me to figure it out differently or look at it differently. Um, but I think feedback in general is how you move forward. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's definitely part of like the learning experience. Yeah. Think, it's you know? it, every, every piece of feedback is like passing the baton in a giant ass relay race. Like I'm never going to get past this, single phase of work unless I get a piece of feedback, mm -hmm. you know, cause you never know if your work is finished or if it's, if it's still in the drafted mode or, you know what I mean? So it does take another person, uh, uh, another opinion, another viewpoint to, to, 
to push whatever shit that you have forward. And I think it's good for anybody, those that are listening. Um, I know a lot of you that, that, that send us, you know, your brands to be like, yeah, what do you think of my brand? Or what do you think of the idea of this brand? And they'll like give you, give you, give us the concepts and the themes and be like, yeah, you know, I'm trying to go for this. And, you know, I don't know if people are going to fuck with it. And most of the time I'm, I'm completely honest. Other times I'm, I'm a little on the nice side. I'd say like, Nate, you'd be like the Simon Cowell of this shit and be like, extreme trash like <laughs> the chicken's garbage. fucking raw <laughs> the Gordon fucking Ramsey, Ramsey of the fucking streetwear industry but um, we do appreciate it like we do appreciate you guys valuing our opinion when it comes to your streetwear brand and your uh, concept or idea um, but I'd say like as as anybody uh, as anybody would in this industry is like it all comes from actually trying you know like you have to at least do something to come up with a theme or a concept or your first t-shirt graphic or something right yeah. so as long as you guys are trying i'd say like that is that's fine by me yeah. but once you get to the point of like having us legitimately review your shit we're probably gonna tell you it's trash <laughs> you know just being honest yeah just being honest yeah. um but yeah I, th- I think that 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 sort of hits the nail on top of the head in regards to how we are viewing creatives i mean we've sort of approached it from a variety of angles. Is there something that we haven't covered in, in terms of creatives? Getting paid as a creative. I think that's a big one. Because everybody wants to get paid for the shit that they do. Yep. You know what I mean? To what point for you guys do you start to think, you know, what I'm doing is worth something. I should be getting paid for it. Uh, I think when you can confidently say that you've mastered, or at least you're very proficient at, the skills that you're trying to use as like a means to make a living, you know? Um, I can't just, you know, like just go through the motions and expect it to be, and expect to be paid for it. You know, like again, it goes back to being, having that sense of professionalism Mm -hmm. and kind of like not stacking your work up against others, but you know, it, it's kind of like it's kind of like when you have something, you're like, and you do your research, and I'm like, okay, well, what is this worth in comparison to like others? You know, yeah. in that yeah. sense. So, I don't know. That's the way I kind of look at it. What about you, Mel? Yeah, I see it like that too. Um, I also see it if you're always like getting people saying, "Hey, like, can you do work for me?" Mm. When you start seeing that come in, that's when you start to think, okay, like I'm doing all this free work for people. Maybe I should get paid. So you, know? you literally have to hear someone say like. Can you do the? Can you do work for me? Depending on how many times yeah. a favor is being asked, if it's like one too many times, it's like all right, I have too much thing on like things on my plate. I kind of need to get compensated. Also, yeah. like if it's me t- like buying materials to provide to mm-hmm. give you a product, then yeah, I'm gonna ask to get compensated. I think evaluating you know what we're worth is is a tough one you know for creatives. You know we deal with DJs all the time that it's you know their first or second or or third gig in their uh, of their life. And they're like, you know, like the opportunity's great, you know that that's enough. <laughs> but uh, eventually, you get to that point where it's like, you know, I'm expending a lot of energy. I'm putting a lot of hours into, you know, master this craft that I'm presenting to whoever it is that I'm presenting it to. And I think it's, I think it, that's worth something, you know. Like they say, as a graphic designer, you're not paid for. For how you know for how long it takes to create a logo, you're paid on how long it took to know how to create that logo. You know, like these programs aren't easy to use and they're expensive as shit. Yeah. And um, I think somebody gave a good example. Um, he's like a very famous graphic designer. He create uh, a, a a very like Fortune 500 company asked him to create a logo, and uh, he made it in like five minutes. And they're like, it's perfect. Like. And they decided to like pay him, you know, I don't know, like five hundred dollars. It's like you made it in, you know, five minutes. Like, I feel like that's worth five minutes of work. You know, he's like, no, like that's five thousand dollars. You don't know how many years of experience I've had to get to this point where I could create a logo for you in five minutes. Yeah, that's true. You know, so and and I think that's how a lot of creatives should look at their work. Now, this is a very separate conversation from you know being a person that takes on things like internships or free opportunities or does things for free, you know? I feel like 
for a lot of people, we sort of shortchange opportunities if we're not being paid for them. Um, at least that that's how I, I saw things from, from the beginning. It's like, man, like just being in the room or being able to be next to that person that's doing what I want to do, that's worth more than any dollar that I could like ever amass for my whatever talent, creative talents that I have. But I think, yeah, for anybody that's listening, when it does come to a point where, like you said, like that I'm overextending myself, where I'm providing resources that are, you know, something that I've worked a lot of, worked really hard for, put a lot of time and effort and money into, then I feel like I can come to the table and be like, this is what I charge. Because a lot of people, they're, 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 um, it's nerve wracking to have the, the money conversation. Yeah. Right? Because it almost illegitimizes who you are as a creative. Because, oh, I thought you're creative. I thought you do this for the love. For the love. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? So why are you charging me? It's like, no, like, eventually we get to a point where being a creative does make us money. It does get us to the point where we could be around our friends all the time. It does give us the leisure of not having to work a normal nine to five. And I think once we get to that point, then we can consider that real success. And that's it. (laughs) 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 I think we've covered the whole topic of, uh, of the lifespan of creative from A to Z. Is that the, is that going to be the title of the episode? Creative from A to Z. I don't know. I don't know. I, there's something witty. Yeah, we got to be more creative than that. <laughs> <laughs> We're not creatives. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, anything else? Anything else on the on the topic? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think I. I feel like I, I talked way too much this episode for some reason. I think that's good. Like I was like, I think yeah. that's good. It's a it's an area that you're definitely passionate about. I mean, because we're all creatives at the end of the day. You know what I mean? I I would consider all of us in this group, in this team, in this family, whatever, as a actual creative. Like, if you're not a creative, then I don't I don't know what I'm doing. Around. <laughs> Everyone's creative in some sort of capacity. Um, But on that note, we appreciate you guys listening. That is episode 87. Yes. Yes. Okay, 87. Be sure to follow us at No Chance Radio to stay up to date to really everything and anything that we do. Um, Events, episodes, shit, whatevers. Um, Be sure to follow us at what's your handles? At Nate since 95. At what's up, Mel? And I'm at Swan out here. I got to change that to be more on brand. But anyways, thank you for listening to this week's episode. And we will catch you on the next one. Peace. Later. Bye.